Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Oh, my. There's many fathers in the house and many mothers in the house. Amen? The neat thing about obedience is there's a calling attached to every act of obedience. If we're accurate with our calling, we're accurate with our obedience. God has given us a calling, but there's many things calling you. There's a calling from God, but there's a calling from everything else around the world. The enemy also lives with people obedient to a calling. The calling of sickness, sin, and death, the curse of the law from Adam and Eve, or the calling of the kingdom of heaven that's now established through a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We say, what is my calling, and are we in our call? We're in our call if we're walking in what God has called us to do. If we're not walking the fullness of God calling us to do, we're still in a calling, but a partial calling with God and a calling possibly of our own desire or man. To have a calling, there has to be a caller. If there's a caller, there has to be a callee. If there's not a callee, then a caller won't call. The enemy is calling, and heaven is calling. Those are the options. The sinful man, the sinful nature that we were born into is calling us to continue in what we were born in. The kingdom of God is calling us to continue in the calling that we also get born in. Wow, this is going something, I don't know where it's going. I'll stand on this side, see if that changes here. I want us to grasp the understanding of a caller, and there's many callers. Every sin that gets in your life was a caller, and every sin that gets into your life is an acceptance of obedience from the callee. Every word that comes into your life was written and given by a caller, God himself. When we receive that word into our life, we become obedient to the caller as callees of obedience. When deception comes towards us, it is also a caller. When we open the door in our life for deception, the deception becomes the caller. We become the obedient to the callee. We become the obedient callee. Call, calls, callers are everywhere. There's one true caller, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everything else is a false caller, unless it's your wife calling you for dinner. <laughs> She's the caller, you're the callee, be obedient and accept it. I find the faster you come for dinner when she calls, the better the relationship becomes. 
The conversation is very good. If you're, well, just a minute, honey, I got a little bit more to do, especially if you're on a video game or something or some dumb thing that doesn't need to be there. Because they, they know, your wives know. When they call you for supper, they know exactly what you're doing. I don't know how they do, but they know exactly if it's really important or not. And they'll know exactly when you get to that table, whether or not who was the important one. Which caller were, was I listening to? The caller of, oh, come on, I just want to finish this one more post. Or the caller of my wife and marriage and strength and happiness. Caller, callee, everywhere. You're a callee. You're the only one that can be the callee for yourself. Church can't do it. We can't do it. We can't be your callee. You're the callee that receives the call. Whatever you choose to receive will be the obedience of the reward you choose to receive. Because obedience is always rewarded. Obedience to God is rewarded by God. That's a good reward. Obedience to enemy, you're rewarded by enemy, and that's basically hell on earth. If you're feeling like you're in hell on earth, listen to who you're listening to. Who's the callee in your life? Who's the caller in your life, and are you the callee? Okay, I was going to talk about something else today, so let's go there. It's exciting to be home. Sorry we weren't here on last week. Uh, Sharon and I were in uh, struggling and striving uh, to minister in Hawaii, and, um, and we were there for ministry. We preached last Sunday at Egbalo Church, and uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, ministered and taught in Egbalo School in Hawaii. Um, and uh, in that situation, it's just beautiful because Rod and Marion Hall and the whole Egbalo Schools of Hawaii. They're actually part of Windward's, like we cover Windward, we cover them by Windward, and um, we also had board meeting over there with Igbalo, and Igbalo school is amazing. If you need to send, or <laughs> if you want to send, or your kids want to go somewhere, check out Igbalo. Um, what is it, Igbalo? Igbalohouse.com, okay, Igbalohouse.com, and uh, it doesn't matter what age you are, but it's, it, it's, it's an amazing school. It's not a big, massive school like going to Bethel or Hillsong or something like that. It's an amazing school that focuses so intently on prayer and actually getting the lives in a right alignment with, with God's calling on them. And they, they literally pray. They go, that team just came back from Israel. A team's going to Mexico uh, as well in April into Southern California, and uh, it's absolutely powerful. They also have a coffee field, um, plants. Um, Lou Engel Ministries, have you heard of Lou Engel? So Lou Engel and Therese Engel, which are friends, uh, the Hall family ran with them for many, many years and are still very relational and connected with them. So uh, uh, Rod and Marion Hall started at Balo Schools under the covering of the call, Lou Engel's ministry. And then as the call ended up shutting down some years ago, we, Windward, became a spiritual covering oversight for them and, uh, and still in relationship with Lou Engel. So look it up, go, it's awesome. Uh, they have this coffee field. Lou Engel Ministries has a coffee field and the Ekbalo now is trying to buy it. And they've planted, I don't know how many, 600 trees or something they got on 20 of the acres. 
oh, 6,000 trees, <laughs> coffee trees on 20 acres, and about 300 billion weeds. And so they need laborers, people that, that can go and serve um, to chip up these, these things, and, and pickers, and the students actually pick a certain amount, which helps fund their missions trips. So if they pick enough coffee, their missions trips are covered. And so the ministry, the, the, even the coffee farm, is part of the whole vision. Well, there's a big vision to it, but one of the parts of the vision is to literally raise money to support missions and missionaries to go around the world. And so we're, we're trying hard to buy that coffee farm. So if anybody wants to be a part of buying land in Hawaii, let me know. Or look up Ekbalo. The other neat thing is we, we, we left at, well, it's not neat, we left at 11.30 p.m. Friday night. I don't like those overnight, starting on an overnight flight, but that was a flight that leaves the island. And uh, we brought a couple stragglers home with us. And uh, <laughs> Levi and Jessica Hall are home, and uh, baby Dawson, who's walking now, and precious, our first granddaughter in the womb is coming in March, so we're excited about that. So they're here. They're moving back. They moved back to Canada to be a part of Windward Ministries, and uh, he builds and does a ton of stuff with websites and web pages and builds them. So if you need, uh, need some help with that, talk to Levi and Jessica Hall. Just stand up, Levi and Jessica, so everybody knows who you are. Yeah. So Levi is one of the seven son, uh, so one of the sons of the whole family that founded Ekbalo. So that's now we're really family. We married to, we married into the family. So yeah, okay. Well, we knew Levi as he was younger and Jessica, right? And to see this whole thing, it's only God, right? Yeah, yeah. We need to live and learn how to live. 24-7 in the presence of God. I truly believe that 2023 is a, a, a drive that we need to focus on to move into habitation of the presence of God. In this new year, we have to go after the presence in everything we do. I feel an importance, I think, mainly because things are going to happen in this year. And I know that I had given a prophetic word for Canada, and I think you guys watched it last Sunday. And, and so there's going to be ups and downs in this year, but we have that, which is why we need to go after the presence even more. If we don't go after the presence, what presence will be in us? You have callers, and you have different presences. Not, not presents for Christmas tree, presents, presence of God, and presence of the enemy. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven at hand, kingdom of darkness, which has already lost the war, is just looking for the battle to win in you by your free will. Increasing the presence of God in our lives is an absolute priority. We have to go after it. I, I, I literally saw that in this new year, new prayer groups starting up, prayer in the presence, new worship nights starting to happen where we enter into his presence corporately because you can't be in the fullness of his presence by yourself. You can go into the presence between you and your father with intimacy, but you can't receive the full power of the presence alone. 
God never, ever designed us to be alone. He never, which is, I truly believe, one of the greatest things over these last few years, the separation was after families. It was trying to separate people and, of all things, lock them up in their own room so they can't go anywhere. It's absolutely destruction to individuals' minds and community. God never, ever designed us to be alone and by ourselves. We enter the presence willfully. We receive intimacy and relationship through Jesus Christ who opened that door up. We receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon us, the comforter, in the presence. And then when our little realm, our kingdom of presence that we are princes and princes or kings and queens of, our little sphere of influence, when it reaches into another sphere of influence and we come together, it creates an explosion opportunity of the presence of God. One puts to flight 1,000, two put to flight 10,000, three put to flight four, five, six. All of us in here have the opportunity to literally have an explosion of his presence in such a way that every, I believe every sickness, sin, and disease can run right back out to hell where it belongs. I believe the gathering together is going to be even more vital and important in this year and the years to come than we have ever seen before. I actually believe so many miracle signs and wonders are going to happen by a group praying together more than just having someone pray for you. That it's actually going to come with the power and the authority of the gathering together, the unity together, that will really release the supernatural healing power that we're looking for and needing in our lives. If we don't value the presence, we will never value the encounter because the, an encounter with God will always come with presence. But if you don't walk in the, in the presence, the true presence 24-7, then your encounter will dwindle as well. And you'll always be looking for the next encounter where God's not saying, I want encounter after encounter. He's saying, I want you in my presence. And in his presence, encounters are automatic and they happen. But so many times we get burnt out and, 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 and we're low and we're down and, 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 oh God, I need to have another encounter. How come I don't have an encounter like I had two years ago? Has anyone ever thought that? How come I don't have an encounter I had 10 years ago? How come I feel different? I'm not feeling as on fire. Well, it's not God that changed. If we're not feeling or we need an encounter, then we're going to constantly be searching for what we think is the presence. If an encounter opens up the presence to you, then if you don't have that encounter, you've shut the presence down. And you box God in a way that says, this is how I have to feel to have the presence. And once you box God on your feeling, you're not going to receive your encounter, because you're no longer standing and walking in his presence. His presence, no, nowhere in scripture does it say he leaves you and forsakes you. Who is he? God. Where's his presence? Him. Never leave you or forsake you. He will never allow so much to happen that you're going to fail. Never. He, nothing in your life that comes at you is destined for failure in God's eyes. 
Everything that comes at you is literally got victory in it already. The answers are already there, and it's in His presence. And when we start to feel like a failure, we've actually opened up the presence of failure, the presence of the enemy. See, in heaven, there is no failure. In the Word of God, it's not maybes, it's truth. Truth that sets us free. It doesn't only apply in encounter moments where you're happy. It actually applies 24-7 if you meditate on Him day and night. You shall be like trees planted by rivers of living water, bearing fruit in due season. In due season, it shows encounters and encounters in seasons, but His presence, the tree itself, never dies. Just because I don't feel like I did five years ago in a revival meeting does not mean at all His presence is not still there. We have to train ourselves that we live in His presence, and it doesn't matter on how the encounter is, is, is playing itself out. Because His presence is where we must dwell, and we can't just go after the miracle or the counter or the prophetic word or da-da-da-da. The gifts are wonderful, but in, in the encounter, the gifts live. If we could live in the presence in such a level, we wouldn't have to come to a meeting to be healed. If we could live in the presence in such a level, we wouldn't have, the church wouldn't have to be a bit of a hospital. The church wouldn't have to be where you come to get healed spiritually, emotionally, and physically. The church would actually become where we choose to come to gather and praise and thank him for his presence and the encounters we live in. Then when we come to church, it's not to get help. We come to church to literally feed into the presence and the encounter of the people. So then we have a healthy church when the wounded, sick, and unsaved come through those doors, they come in and get healed because we're already living 24-7 in His presence and in the encounter that God has called us into. We must, church. We have to rise up. If we don't, we won't make it. We're going to be striving, striving, striving. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you live a lifestyle of striving. You don't. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you live a life of victory. You walk as a son, as a daughter of the King. You walk in power. You walk in authority. You walk in His presence 24-7, and you're constantly in an encounter from day to day. And today's going to be better than yesterday, which will be better than tomorrow, because the things of this world won't justify my encounter with God. We have to get this, people. If we don't get, it's too much work to keep this whole thing going if we don't get it. I want to come here every Sunday and exert my energy and, 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 and study and all this stuff. If, if we're just going to be dirty sheep, wretched little sinners, are you kidding me? God never looked at you as a wretched sinner. He looks at you as a lost son and a lost daughter and no good father. I can't even sing some of Amazing Grace anymore. Because 
When did God see you as a wretched sinner? He sent his son Jesus Christ into this earth, his one and only son, to die for a wretched sinner? No, to die for future sons and daughters. Were you in sin? Absolutely. But he didn't come because you're wretched. He came because you're a son waiting to find a father. You're a daughter waiting to find a father. Otherwise, every time you sin, he looks at you as wretched and the father would turn away. And you know what? Nowhere in New Covenant does it say that. If I have my kids do a little boo-boo, I don't all of a sudden say, hey, you're wretched. You don't belong in the Borthwick family anymore. Get out of my house. Are you kidding me? What good father does that? We need the presence. If you have an encounter without learning the presence of the encounter, they literally will come and go. I worked so hard on my life to be in an encounter of his presence. Yes, we still have to do day-to-day life, but you know how much funner it is when you do it in his presence? In an encounter with him? To say, wow, I get to, I get to shear that sheep today. I'm kidding. That's what shepherds do, right? They clean and shear sheep. You look at a sheep being sheared. They are trying to get away from you. They do not like you. But once all their wool is cut off because of the knots and the blocks, and it gets so heavy. You, know, you look at a sheep that is fully, hasn't been sheared for a while. Look at them, look at them walk around. They kind of waddle, you know, because they're so heavy, they're matted. Might be some of their own excrement stuck in that wool and... What does the shepherd do? Comes and with the buzzer. And the sheep is angry. He's not happy. Stinky wool. But I'll tell you what. Watch a sheep after it's sheared. It is leaping and jumping and praising God. (laughs) Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Because the very first part of his into entering into his presence, his repentance. Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. That word repent, metanao, means change the way you think. Saying I'm sorry is not repentance. It's not even repentance in the world terminology. When the murderer went before a judge and he says, oh, I'm sorry, judge, would you let me go? The, no. Saying you're sorry is not a form of repentance. Saying you're sorry is your mouth moving up and down. Repentance is actually a mindset change so your whole mind changes so you don't do it again. You don't even want to do it again. When I, when I entered into a covenant with my wife, I actually repented of all my past relationships. Didn't say I was sorry to her with mouth. What it did was I changed my mindset to only be my wife, one and only, in a covenant, and all of this other is no longer in the mind to influence me wrongly. Repent, therefore, and be converted. In other words, the, the flip side would be, can you be converted without true repentance? It's interesting, you know, we always do a sinner's prayer. I still do a sinner's prayer for people just because people are used to it. 
It's not really a biblical prayer. I mean, it sort of is, but there's only one prayer that the Bible asks us to pray. And Jesus is called the prayer of the disciples, the prayer of Christ, is not, do you give your life to Christ, raise your hands. Do you give your life to Christ, stand up. I'm not saying it's not bad. I do it all the time. But that is not repentance. That is your voice speaking, confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Even the demons confess. They even say Jesus is Lord. They know he's the Lord. Matter of fact, some know the Bible probably way better than we do. But repentance is a mindset change. It's a change in the mind. So here it says, repent therefore and be converted. Repentance creates conversion. If someone says, I'm sorry, and there's not a conversion, you know they didn't have true repentance. I'm not saying I'm sorry with a heart of repentance isn't good, it's powerful because words have power. Your sins may be blotted out. That word blotted out is interesting. It means made obscure, insignificant, and inconsequential. Change your mind to be converted, to become saved, so that your sins become insignificant and inconsequential. Scripture even says that God buries your sins after repentance in the deepest of oceans and never be remembered. If repentance is changing our mind, walking into salvation, into Christ-like lifestyle, our sins get blotted out and our past sins become in, inconsequential. So if someone's in truly repentant, all of heaven those sins are gone. How come many of us pull them out of the depth of the ocean and never be remembered and bring them back and hold the people accountable and accuse them? I think it's wise if we don't remember people's past sins. If they've given their life to Christ and they're on fire for God, the worst thing you could do is always think, well, hold it, that person like, you know, 23 years ago, you know, said some swear words or something. We need to forgive people as we have been forgiven. Because we need to make sure that in this year, one of the biggest things that shuts down presence is a remembrance of past sins. I'm not talking about the power of testimony. Testimony is what you were saved from and the power of what you learned and happened during that season to where you are today. That's testimony. That's powerful. If you want to talk about someone's past sin, what you do is you say, man, they were saved from this. This is where they are today. And you know what? Look at the distance they've gone. Imagine how far the next year is going to bring them. And I'm here to help them get to that next success story, that, that power of authority in their life. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent, change your mindset, get out of depression. Get out of there because depression, go after presence of God. Presence of God has no depression in it. If you're feeling weak and heavy laden, go after presence. 
Say, God, I'm sorry for feeling heavy laden. I'm going to change my mindset and say, no. I'm, and you know one of the easiest and best things to do when you're feeling the weight of the world upon you is realize that you're not to carry the weight of the world. Jesus carried that, and he took it off your shoulders. And so sometimes we have to actually repent in our own mindset and our own understanding, change the way we think, so all that past is blotted out, and we can actually learn to celebrate, dance, and praise in his presence, even if you're at the firing squad, you're in his presence. Was it 67 years ago, uh, four missionary men got into an airplane and um, tried to, they went to land on a little sandbar, build a a little structure like a little tent or a tree fort to live in because they're trying to meet the Alka tribe in Ecuador. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCauley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Yodorian. Those were the four missionary men. They went out to this little riverbank. The Alkas had murdered many people, had murdered the Shipibo, many tribal people. The Alkas were violent. These guys were there to make friends. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, they were best friends with my parents, mom and dad. They both went to uh, Bible training, missionary training camp together. They learned how to live in, in the South American Central American jungles, and they, my mom and dad were very close. And a movie was written about these guys called End of the Spear because they all four got murdered. Jim Elliott actually had a pistol with him. Neither Jim or Nate, one of them had a pistol. And as these men were running at them with spears yelling, he went to reach for his pistol. And they had made an oath that they weren't going to kill anyone so they could lead them to Christ. And he didn't grab his pistol and was died by, and they were all killed by spears. My dad happened to be up in the northern Peruvian jungles. One of the pilots that were fine with a different organization heard the call come out that two of his close friends were missing. He ended up flying out the next day, the next day or the day after over looking for, and there was the plane destroyed. They ended up, I think it was a a military agreement with the United States and different things, ended up finally going in to find the bodies and found the bodies. A few years later, the wives and children of the missionaries went back in to the Elka tribe. My dad was chosen to be the one to fly them in. And the tribe got saved. The killers, the murderers actually had an encounter with an angelic presence of some kind. And they knew immediately after they had killed these men that these men were more like angels coming to them. That's how they terminologed it. They had murdered many times before, but these ones were different. These ones were in the presence of God. Became martyrs, the sacrifice paid, that later has gone on to be these martyrs giving their life to Christ Jesus and watching the whole tribe come to Christ. It's an amazing thing. I have a few artifacts from the Elka tribe that my mom and dad used when they traveled around to raise support for missions and missionaries. And I have some of the Elka headgear and the Elka stuff from that tribe 
store it at home. I have to bring it one day. Be good to get it because I think a lot of the bugs are eating stuff. This stuff goes back into the 50s and 60s. You see, in the presence, they did, he didn't pull out his gun to shoot because the presence wasn't so much about his life. It was more about theirs. Selfishness is one of the biggest things that stops the presence of God from dwelling inside. That's why some of the reasons when we say it's time to give our offerings and tithes, we cheer because it's a joyful giver is a biblical principle. And it's better to give than to receive. My parents could have gave their life at any moment. Out of the three, my dad and mom were the only one. My dad was the only one that survived. Out of the three that went to the same missionary camp to learn. I don't know why my dad should have been killed many times. Engines quitting over the jungles of the Amazon. No rivers to land on. He prays and all of a sudden a river appears. Finding the Mayaruna tribe. Chief Tedidi, the, 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 the most powerful witch doctor in that region. 17 shrunken human heads. I saw as a little kid, 17 shrunken human heads of other chiefs hanging in his hut. That's how I grew up. How'd you grow up? <laughs> and no, they weren't fake. They actually, they, they actually we, in our family, I don't know if I have it, maybe my sister or brothers have it. We have an actual paddle that has a curve like this in the bottom of the paddle. And it's designed to hold down their enemy and slice off their head. Or they will also, if it's not a chief, they might not kill him. But they'll slice the back of the neck quite deep and, and pour the black mud and dirt into it. And it heals with a massive scar that everybody that sees that neck knows that he was captured by the Myruna tribe at some point. Repent. Change our mindset. Here we live in Canada. You know what we could do as Canadians and Americans for this world? And sometimes we get so worried about, I don't want to give, I don't want to talk. Tithing's not in the New Testament. What on earth? You're right, the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. You know what it says? It says give everything. So let's take an offering. By the way, tithing is pre-Old Covenant. Tithing was before Old Covenant was even written, so let's not even go down that path. Study your scriptures. Repent, change your mind so you no longer live in sin. Let your past sins and everyone that's in forgiveness, let them be blotted out so you don't remember them anymore. Forgive the ones, forgive yourself, forgive the ones around you. And times of refreshing will come to you in the presence of the Lord. Psalms chapter 16, verse 7 to 8, and verse 11. Psalm 16, starting verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. I have set the Lord. This is David writing something because David had an ability. He had an understanding that many of us need to have. I bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. Whenever people don't want counsel, they will not live in the blessings of the Lord. God gives you counsel. God uses wisdom around you to give you counsel. His word is counsel. 
And when people are struggling, I guarantee you, we just have to ask, how much are you living in his word? And how much is his word uh, allowing you to become into his presence? Uh, And how much in his presence are you that you're actually living in an encounter? Because if you live in his word, which gets us into his presence by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, when we live in his presence, uh, we have his word deeper and deeper in us, but we have actually the wisdom of Jesus himself. Jesus Christ is known as the man of wisdom in the scriptures. You want wisdom? Find Jesus. You got to make a decision. Where's Jesus? In the presence. Well, he's in me. Yeah, as much as he's in you is probably the amount of presence you have in you. What do you mean? I got all of Jesus in me. Really? There's the wall. Walk through it. I said this over and over again in here. You know, you're as much, you have as much of Jesus in you as he is Lord of your life. And the more he is Lord of your life is the more of Christ Jesus you have in you. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is believe on him and you shall be saved. Repent of your wicked ways. Salvation is there. You have salvation. But how much of Jesus' authority and power do you walk in? And I want us to have, raise up churches that actually walk in a huge percentage of power and authority of Jesus Christ. I know, your theologies are... You're saved if you have Jesus in you. It's kind of like a, a family member. You know, you have a son or a daughter that wants to use your name and wants your inheritance but does nothing for the family. Never wash their never wash their own clothes, never make their beds, never make their rooms. They're 18 years old, living at home. They won't mow the lawn. They won't do anything. They don't help with dinner. They don't help with dishes. They just don't help take the garbage out, the recycle, and everything else we got. We got like all these recycle things going on. As you, as a parent, how much inheritance do you want them to have? You see, a family serves. We're not slaves. We serve because we have the presence of God in us. And in the presence, your service justifies, and I just want to be careful here, justifies the level of the kingdom you actually live in. Hear my heart. A prince in a kingdom that does nothing in the kingdom is a prince by name but doesn't walk with the power and the authority in his own kingdom because the servants won't respect him. They might say, yes, I respect you to the face, but they won't respect him behind the back. A good prince or princess in the kingdom is ones that actually do things and empower the people in the kingdom as well. And I believe that's the same as the kingdom. So You can touch into an encounter in the kingdom without living in the presence. You just won't maintain the encounter. The encounter will always dwindle. More important than going into an encounter is to enter into the presence. Live and learn how to be in the presence. To know that even when you're burning out at work or whatever, the presence of God is still with you. Enter into the presence and you all of a sudden start having wisdom. Wisdom insights. 
Visions and dreams that help you move farther and farther into his presence and glory. Because in his presence is where the glory resides. This is why when ministers or certain individuals or people, they'll come into a building, you'll sense something about them. Because of the presence. They, they've walked, their goal is the presence. It's not their gift. When, when, when you really, some people get wowed by the gift, but they might not have a lot of presence. They're just good at a gift. But the presence will know whether that minister is in the presence or just the gift. And you'll have checks in your spirit sometimes. That's why. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. This is David, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Everybody say, I shall not be moved. You see, that was a choice of David, not the encounter. The encounter isn't what stopped him from not being moved. It was the choice of David from not being moved. Because when you live in the presence, then you literally live with an understanding, and the enemy all knows it, that I will not be moved. I'm in the presence. Devil, you're a liar. You're a deceiver. Attack, slander, all the junk. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. I'm listening to my calling. My calling. And I'm living in my caller's presence. And when I live in my caller's presence, what happens is the presence of God is so full and so powerful that all these insignificant calls, you know, junk callers, Every time I get a, a spam call, I go in and I, I block their number. It's like, why don't you go in and block the numbers of the spamming? Why, why don't we live with such a level of the word in us that the lies of the enemy, the, the bad callers, don't even get into your ears? And if they get into the ears, you immediately rebuke it and say, no. It could be as simple as this. Someone comes up to me and says, yeah, you know, you know and I, or I say, hey, you know, I'm super excited about so-and-so. I, I, they seem to really be growing and coming along. And the first response is, yeah, but you know what they did? Bad caller. I mean, it's one thing if the guy's a pedophile and he's wanting to be in children's ministry, which is why we go through, you know, the, the, the structure that we go through. But you know what? The reality is, is I don't, I don't really care. If somebody is walking in repentance, you can see the changing in their lives. And when you can see the changing in their lives, what they did in the past, if I go ahead and bring it up and hold them back, then I am now leading them properly. I am now cursing or condemning them for what they did instead of forgiving them and believing they're better than that and to help them move forward. That's why for me, when I have meetings uh, in my office and stuff, is deciphering and discerning where's the heart of the person. If the heart is in true repentance, oh, it's a much easier process. It's like our kids. I always told them when they were growing up, if you do something wrong and you come and tell us, your discipline is much, much lighter then if you do something wrong and lie to us and we find out, your discipline is more severe. And then every now and then, Dad, I'm so sorry. I did this, I'm so sorry. 
because they learn very quickly a repented heart in Scripture doesn't have discipline. A murderer coming out of jail could have a repented heart and become one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. Chief Tadidi in the Myruna tribe. Murderer, repented, and became one of the greatest evangelists. I tell you this for a reason. Let's let 2022 and 2021, 2020, all the past, let it go. Don't even hold the anger towards the bad decisions. Don't even hold the anger towards people, other believers that are like angry if you didn't get vaccinated. And others that were angry if you did get vaccinated. For crying out loud, who's the caller here? Oh, that's right. You know, the scripture that didn't make it into the Bible said that if someone doesn't get vaccinated, stay away from them. Or if someone did get vaccinated, stay away from them. Or we're supposed to separate over vaccinations. Are you kidding me? We're warriors, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean you, you, know, you have to go breathe their breath and kiss them on the lips. and I don't know. It doesn't mean you have to do that. But I'll tell you what. If I was fearful of cancer, fearful of AIDS, fearful of all of these diseases, I would not leave my home. I would not go in to 52 countries of the world. I would not hold stinky, oozing bodies of AIDS little babies in my arms. Wear a mask, wear a mask. Don't wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But just let's leave it at that. Get vaxxed, get vaxxed. Don't get vaxxed, don't get vaxxed. But for crying out loud, don't let it separate the church. Speed, don't speed. Don't, get, don't let it separate the church. Let the government get, or the police give you a ticket if you need. That's why I got a radar detector. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, I do have one. Repent. This is 2023. Repent. Change your mind. This will not be what last year was. Won't be. Don't drag, drag the problems of last year. Take the power of testimony, which is the revival that happened in you last year. Well, it didn't really feel like revival. Believe there was something that happened in you last year. If not, well, you need to come up here and get saved. Find Jesus all over again, whatever. Let's learn from the past, but don't focus on the problems of the past. We must look forward to the future. I look forward to this year. I have no idea what's all going to happen. Even the worship team, I think there was like two or three people that were sick and couldn't come. Oh no, what are we going to do? No, you know what? We're going to come up and we're going to worship. And pray healing into their bodies in Jesus' name. Guess what? There's still sickness around. It's flus, colds, COVID. I mean, it's still floating around. So what? What does that mean? Fear? No, be wise. Absolutely. But if we don't 
choose like David. I have set the Lord always before me. You know what I choose for 2023? I will always set the Lord before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. By any news media, any diseases, any viruses, whatever, I'm going to set the Lord before me. Doesn't mean I won't wear a mask, doesn't mean I won't get vaccinated. What it means is that I'm going to set him before me, who's out my right hand, my strength, my shield, my rod, that I'm moving forward in in 2023. And I'm going after the revival that is in my life. And it, I, I literally choose to have revival more and more every, every day. It's not going to be an encounter that brings me into revival. Matter of fact, I pray that we all enter into the presence and I guarantee you we will be in revival. And it can't just be an encounter. It has to be a continual life encounter. Our Christian life and our experiences with God shouldn't go, uh, 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 uh. Like seriously, people, let's grow up. Let's mature. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. Just don't spit the meat out. This is the time. Like, how many years on earth do we have? I found out last year I got one year older. How many years do we have? Elliot was in his late 20s and Nate Saint was in his early 30s. How many years do we have? We don't have time to not have his presence in our life. We don't have time in our families and our children, our grandchildren, in our businesses. Imagine if your business operates out of the presence of God and lives within the presence of God, your unsaved employees are going to want to work harder and harder because the presence always drives people into joy and happiness to do more and more and more because the presence of the enemy drives people into depression, sadness, don't like their job. And we all know, we all know what, what businesses try to do. Reward the good employees by paying them more. So the businesses try to buy it, but the presence of God has already paid for. It was already paid for. Let's all stand. Acts 2, verse 22. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always, always, before my face for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken that word foresaw means to see beforehand before any attack or knowledge of things before they exist or they happen imagine if we could just close our eyes right now and foresee the face of God that's what we should see every day in our lives I want to encourage us this year. Presence, presence, presence. Men's groups rising up. Women's groups rising up. Youth rising up. Young adults rising up. Young marriage rising up. Groups with, 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 with young children rising up. Entering into prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. But prayer not to just get things. Prayer to be in His presence. Prayer not to just ask God for things. 
but prayer to be in his presence. It's called joy of the Lord is our strength. In his presence there is joy, happiness, answers. The gifts of God in his presence. In his presence. I want to ask you this morning. Are you willing to say, you know what, I'm going after his presence this year more than I ever have before? I am. I'm going after it. I always go after it, but I'm going after it more. I've ramped it up in my life. Because I'm not going to sit back in the later years of life and think, maybe I should just retire. Maybe I should just slow down. Maybe I should just let everyone else do it. No. No. My Bible doesn't tell me that. My dad died three days shy of 90 years old. He never retired. I mean, he got a retirement government thing coming in, but he kept on preaching the gospel his whole life. Right to the day he breathed his last, he was still preaching to the nurses. I'm not going to pack it in. I'm not going to just listen to the wrong caller. I'm going to listen to the right caller. So our kids and grandkids and friends and family members will see something's different in you. I encourage you right now, just, just smile. Force yourself to smile right now. Let me see those teeth. Let me see those teeth. Some of you need to go to the dentist, but let me see the teeth. Because in his presence is joy. It's life. In his presence is the way, the truth, and the life. In his presence. Let's choose right now. Father, I am, I'm going after more. If that's you, come into agreement. If that's you, put your hand up and wave it at me. Why don't you do that? Be obedient to what you're doing right now. Lying, lying to heaven is not good. Be obedient. Because when you don't want to is when heaven is there to really open up for you. So Father God, every hand that is raised right now, even throughout uh, on the internet, online, people watching right now, every hand that was raised, we ask Lord God, I was going to ask him for more of your presence. And you know what I heard the Lord say back to me? I already gave all my presence to them available. Have they chosen to have more? Father, we choose today as a congregation, say, I choose. I choose to go into your presence deeper and deeper, to meditate on your word day and night, to literally go after the joy of the Lord as our strength. We choose here today, even as a church family called Windworm, we choose today, Father, to go after you even more. Every leader, if you're weary and, weary and heavy laden, wake up. 
Shake off all the pains, the sorrows, every person in this place. Shake off every heavy burden. Put it back at the foot of the cross where it belongs and say, I go after the resurrected Lord and Savior. He left all my burdens at that cross. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray and we thank you, Father, for your goodness, for this is the day that you have made, you have created. And God, you planned us to be in the middle of this day. You have called us to live this day for your presence and your glory to endure invade us invade us holy spirit we welcome you in every area of our life holy spirit we welcome you we call you we call you and we say come holy spirit come holy spirit more holy spirit we are hungry for more holy spirit oh father god we worship you we praise your holy name we honor you oh god our Father, who art in heaven. Let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Turn.